Welcome to FanR Podcast, a series of podcasts featuring a variety of topics, issues, and events relating to the nuclear and radiological sectors in the UAE and across the globe. In this edition of the FanR Podcast, we speak to members of FanR's Emergency Preparedness and Response Team, including Senior Specialist Rodrigo Salinas, Specialist Mohamed El Marzoogi, and Senior Officer Hassan Marzoogi, about FANR's commitment to protect the public and environment from radiation hazards. You guys working in the emergency preparedness um, section, the emergency preparedness team, like we hear the nuclear industry as a ge- like the general public that they would hear like the nuclear industry, it's already like a very sensitive topic. And then you tell them, oh, I'm working in emergency preparedness as well. I have a certain interest in learning more like what does that entail? What is the importance of this job? So uh, thank you for your interest on this. Honestly, it's a really, really exciting job. Uh, it's true, the nuclear industry, I would, I would say it's one of the safest industry. That's true. But at the same time, we also need to be aware that emergencies are very unlikely, but they can still happen. So our job here is to, to, to get ready and to be prepared in case of an emergency happens. So uh, what we do here, it's a relatively small team. We try to coordinate all the efforts that we have at the nuclear regulator in case of this very, very unlikely uh, emergency happens. And, and, you know, emergencies don't happen very often, so that's why we need to conduct uh, training, drills. We need to be prepared for all those uh, um, circumstances, right? And that's, you are right. I mean, it's all the things we do, we hope never, we are never going to respond to a real emergency. That's true. However, this is the last barrier of week that we call of emergency. Uh, emergency is the last barrier that we have. And of course, it's not like a one like a one-man show. You know, it's like we work in coordination with many different national, federal, local entities. Uh, we have joint drills, joint exercises, different technical meetings, discussions all around the year, all around the time, just to ensure that things are in place, plans are uh, updated based on international standards, best practices. And know. so, like, I'm wondering, like, with emergency preparedness, most of us, I'm sure, think. Like if we don't have much background or insight on your work, like if we hear emergency preparedness and nuclear industry, we think about Baraka. So like, is it true that most of it is to do with Baraka? Like what percentage of it? Are there emergencies other than, uh, you know, emergency scenarios at Baraka that you prepare for or that you uh, um, discuss? Of course, when it comes to emergencies, it's not just Baraka, you know, Baraka is just one aspect of emergencies that could happen. But when it comes to FANR and the role we play, we just don't just focus on nuclear. We also have different radiation sources that are used in in medical fields and industrial fields in the country. So things could happen like and the the scenarios when it comes to emergencies, they are not just like nuclear power plant scenarios. They are just like also there are possibilities of having um, emergencies are triggered by different, you know, causes. Uh, we also take those under considerations. We have uh, different scenarios uh, studied and plans uh, with different entities in regards to different possible. And I'm, I'm curious. Like, I'm sure there's like a sort of like um, categorization, like different severities of, of of emergencies. So, like, do you have like some lower categories that are like some incidents that are more frequent that you deal with, or? Is it extremely rare for there ever to be an actual like emergency or something that requires your attention? Well, we don't speak about the frequencies because, you know, you, you will never know when an emergency will happen. But of course, when you see a trend or something that is happening, maybe not in the country, maybe somewhere else, but you take it under consideration, you start discussions with prospective entities to ensure that uh, 
things are in place uh, if some similar causes happening here or we have it here that we will not end up with the same emergency for example you know uh, so you know when it comes to the emergency community it is a small community uh, we have tools in place where we can communicate uh, with our respective entities in the country but also we have some tools that we can communicate also yeah, and directly with the, I was thinking with, about with the international atomic energy agencies to, to learn about things that might happen not here in UAE but also in other countries that so, yeah, might trigger an alarm for us I'm curious because um, this is a very um, it's, it's a very um, specialist specialized team and it's a very um, uh, the, the nuclear industry is a very uh, should I say it's an industry with a very limited scope um, in terms of the amount of people working in it. So, what led you to like to this job? Like, what was your inspiration for coming to this job? It's true that we are only three or four people uh, who are, who are working in this section. However, uh, we organize the work of the FANAR Emergency Response Organization. This is a temporary organization that is activated and responds during um, emergency and uh, it consists of almost all FANAR uh, departments and uh, sections um, to deal with the nuclear and radiological emergencies. Yes, so uh, I, I, the UAE participated last year in, uh, in uh, Convex 3, which is one of the, I think it was the most complex or most major like nuclear emergency like preparedness exercise and in, in, was it in history? Indeed. Um... I like what you are saying. It, it's one of the most complex. Convex 3 actually for the IAEA, International Atomic Energy Agency, is one of the most, the, the most complex exercise they organize. Uh, we were brave enough to host this exercise in the UAE. And we did it even more complex in terms of not only the things they were performing during the last years. This is an exercise that they do every three to five years. Uh, but we we're brave enough, and again, to add additional complications. Like, uh, it was the first time that uh, monitoring teams, assistance teams, were, were deployed for real to the accident state. And here I'm making quotation, uh, accident state. So they sent teams, we had uh, different teams from different countries making, uh, simulating uh, monitoring activities, again, uh, assuming that our internal UAE capabilities were extended. So it was very complex. It was not only these three people that you see around the table, honestly. Uh, we coordinated, as Hessa said, with a number of organizations at the UAE level, but also at the international level. It was not only countries, but also international organizations. Then we had observers. It was quite complex. Uh, we are glad to have been involved in that process, but we are also very glad that it's over because it was huge workload. But honestly, we all learned a lot. We all learned a lot because a number of lessons learned there. Uh, we identify some areas for improvement. We identify that we can improve uh, here and there. And actually now we are working on it. That's the next phase, right? You mentioned, and that was very, um, so you're glad that it was over. It was very tiring. And that brings me like some other, some other question I was wondering, because we know, we know that emergencies, um, they're not, they don't work on a nine to five basis. Like they don't work eight hours. Okay, they can happen at any time. So does that translate into your job as well? Do you frequently have to deal with some sort of ad hoc scenario after hours on the weekend, on the holidays? We need to have the capabilities to respond 24 seven, which means 24 hours, seven days a week. And we do every single effort to have all the arrangements here in FANA. You know, you said it's a relatively small organization. 
So we need to have arrangements for having these capabilities 24-7. Uh, it's not easy because it's not only us, we need to involve uh, colleagues from other departments, nuclear safety, radiation safety, safeguards, security. So we have lots of experts and depending on the type of emergency, different people are going to be activated. And, and I yeah, think that's one of the If you allow me, a great, ex a great example of this was actually the Barak UAE convex tree exercise, which you were referring to earlier on. Basically, we had our, respond we had our teams responding on a continuous 36 hours basis. It was probably the first time we have them running for that long, but it was tested, it was ex exercised. Uh, we've learned a lot about like, how to deal with, you know, shifts, handovers and stuff like that. But it was a great experience. It gave us some assurances that uh, we have the capability and uh, people are ready. And also to just complement one thing that Rodrigo said, and probably he didn't mention, he, he referred that we had many first times uh, during the exercise we had with the IA like last year, but he forgot to specify we had also the first time a social media simulator tool was used during an exercise to simulate all different interactions that could happen in real social media during emergencies. It was interesting. It got a very positive feedback from the different media uh, entities we have here in the country, plus actually other member states. So it was, it was nice. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Fanor Podcast. Join us next time to hear more about the latest developments in the nuclear and radiological sectors in the UAE and across the globe.